Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the podcast that tells you it's okay to prioritise you and also that you are enough. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm chatting to someone who's chosen to take a moment to step back and think about who she really wants to be. It's Anne-Marie. I sat there and was like, what? What is going on? I don't feel happy. I don't feel sad. I'm not having fun. I, I feel numb. And I was worried. I was scared about that feeling because I hated it. And luckily, met this person and she has basically changed my life. The way I feel, the way I think, the way I react to things, understanding my brain. It's just been the best thing I've ever done in my life. This felt like a real meeting of minds. There was so much that Anne-Marie has clearly spent a lot of time reflecting on that I often think about myself, including the fact that maybe it's time for us to embrace being average. I'm just not sure that striving to always be the best and to be perfect is, well, is healthy for any of us. It's definitely not. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Right, let's get on with it. Here's the show. Marie. Hello. How are you, my love? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm loving your hair, even brighter pink. It looks so I know. nice. I know. I thought, oh, I mean, I I was thinking about going all different colours and then I thought, I like pink. I just need to do it a bit more intense. So that's that's what it's ended up being like. Yeah, pink's good. I think pink's almost neutral these days, isn't it? It's I know. Like just another shade of hair. I, I did pink and then I actually, I was the same. I bought a one called Mermaid something that was like bluey green. And I thought, am I going to do this? And I just chickened out. It was more the sort of the notion of going on the school run <laughs> with turquoise hair that I just thought, I don't know if I can do it. Anyway, enough, enough hair, chitter chatter. <laughs> um, you've got so much going on at the moment, which is so exciting. So you've got your new album out in the summer, yeah. Therapy, which yeah. from what I've read thus far, not only alludes to the gorgeous therapeutic notion of music, but also to your own exploration into the world of therapy. So mm. what, what was the catalyst for you wanting to reach out and get help or or talk to somebody um it's been a long journey to be honest about three or four maybe three years ago I hit a really low place and decided to try therapy out for the first time and it didn't really go well I I saw someone twice and felt like I just said everything got everything off my chest and then I was like hmm that's it like nothing I can't get anything else from this and just left and then tried hypnotherapy tried loads of other different things 
and felt okay. Obviously, like, in the music industry, you're so busy that you don't really get time to really sit with yourself and think, okay, I need to do this for myself. It's more just, like, distracting, which is what I've been doing for my mental health for a while. And when um, lockdown came about, it was a massive smash in the face, to be honest. (laughs) It was, like, for probably most people as well, I think... I sat there and was like, what, what is going on? I don't feel happy. I don't feel sad. I'm not having fun. I, I feel numb. And that's where I'd got to with emotions. And normally I'm quite an extreme person. So I feel everything really intensely. But I'd got to the point where everything was just numb. And I was worried. I was scared about that feeling because I hated it. And I spoke to my manager, Jazz, and I just said, I feel numb. And she said, I think you need to speak to someone. And I was like, but I've tried it. It didn't work. I don't I don't know about that. And she was like, just try another person. And luckily, met this person and she has basically changed my life. The way I feel, the way I think, the way I react to things, understanding my brain, going into the deep parts of my life and ra- unravelling everything. It's just been the best thing I've ever done in my life that's so brilliant it's so brilliant and it does just take the right person to go beneath all the stories because Mm. I'm sure many people out there myself massively included I've been in therapy for about 10 years and do have tried all different sorts of things and feel very lucky to have done so Mm. But it certainly takes a type of person, therapist, psychotherapist, whichever profession, uh, professional they are, to, to go, right, OK, you're saying all this stuff. We've heard all this before because I'll always say the same thing. But this, yeah. but that. And then it's what's underneath all of that. What's yeah. what's going on under it? And, and you don't even know at the time. So that's a revelation in itself. So so it's it's helped insurmountably. It sounds like, you know, that's been game-changing for you and, and your outlook. Teamed with the fact we've just been through a pandemic, was that a much-needed pause for you? Yeah, I, I said, I keep saying to everyone, obviously what we've gone through is a catastrophe, to be honest. It's, it's crazy what we've all been through. But we've had the chance to stop and we actually would never have been able to do that in our whole entire existence like we haven't been able to stop in my generation in all of our generations who are alive I think that it's weirdly been the moment where everyone has had a chance to think to themselves what makes me happy like what do I actually want and it's given people a chance to think about themselves which I think is something that people think is quite selfish to do but it's not I think that's what I'm trying to (laughs) I'm trying to tell people it's so not selfish to think of yourself, to put yourself first right now. Because I tried not doing that ever. I was always concentrated on other people, wanting other people to be happy. And I wanted that. So, And I still do, obviously. But it got to the point where I was just empty. I was like, I have nothing left to give. And my manager, she said to me, like, how, how are you supposed to give to other people when you ain't got anything to give? And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. And I had a little cry, but I love to cry. And, I love um, cry. Oh, yeah, started that journey, really, of figuring that all out. Putting yourself first makes it possible to give other people more than you've ever given before. I, I think it's such a widely misunderstood notion that 
we've got to just, like you say, give and give or go to like martyrdom and, you know, sacrifice everything of ourselves for other people. But if you're not happy, what's the point? And also, it's that weird thing, isn't it? Of, I was having this conversation with somebody last night. He was saying, well, how can I ever ask the universe or put that thought out there that I wanted a certain thing or that I, you know, wanted, whether it's love or to not feel as awful anymore when there are people who have awful illnesses and desperate situations and and we kind of chatted it out and came to the conclusion that your suffering isn't going to help people that are already suffering that's not going to elevate them in any way because you feel equally as shit if you can get yourself to a place of even just balance it hasn't got to be euphoria but just balance or feeling Mm. all right then you're in a position to help if you feel like that's the right thing to do or to share your own happiness to inspire others or whatever it is maybe it's quite a british thing as well that we have to be like no no i don't deserve (laughs) it or yeah it's so strange and it's what's the point we're only on we've got this one precious life why are we going to waste it being miserable or like thinking we don't deserve to Mm. feel good and to feel okay it's so weird like at at the start of your um documentary how to be Anne-Marie it seems like you know in that first moment you've almost forgotten how to be you because you quite clearly say I don't know what makes me happy anymore I don't know if it's touring making music sitting around I don't know what it is is that still the case has this therapy kind of given you the clarity to go I know what makes me feel good yeah because I was associating my career with unhappiness when it wasn't that it was deep down that it was coming from so having that thought in my head well my music's making me sad that was really like that was horrible for me to have that thought in my head and then luckily when we got to stop everything in lockdown, I was like, well, I'm still unhappy. So <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so luckily that moment made me think, oh, it's not music that's making me unhappy. It's actually just me and I've got issues, you know, going on. So it was a great revelation that I found out that it wasn't music because that would have been terrible. <laughs> I would have had to be it something else. Been <laughs> so shit. Isn't it funny? We all do this again. We we need to blame something or someone it's because we haven't got this thing or we are doing this thing that we hate or this person in my life and Mm -hmm. like you've just illustrated there that thing goes and then you still have all those feelings and and you it's hard because not everybody can get access to therapy and that's the massive Mm. shame of it and that's what we need to have fundamental change with but even if it is just talking to someone that you trust and love a great friend to try and go well what is it like, is it a fear? Is it a self-limiting thought? What is it that is holding you back? I mean, is that something that you're willing to talk about, the, the underneath layers? We don't have to go there if you don't want to. Like, what was causing that unhappiness? Um, well, I think it all stemmed from a massive insecurity of being not liked by people. That was, like, really from school. I, I wanted to be liked so bad because I wasn't so I was like my whole life was based around people liking me doing stuff that made them like me so I wasn't just doing stuff because I wanted to do it or it made me happy I was my whole life was was living through other people's eyes like I have memory loss because I don't remember parts of my life because I wasn't fucking living it like it was so it really stems from that and then Anxiety comes from people not liking who my who I am. Like beyond music, I feel like it's weird because people think 
I don't like people looking at me or I don't like people talking about me or having a bad thought about me and then going on stage and giving them the opportunity to do that. But I actually don't feel that on stage because it is just what it is. It's music. It's me as an artist. It it doesn't go deeper than that. Whereas when I come off stage, that's where it's like really scary. Complicated. But yeah, it's, mm. it's, I have a lot of things. My, I'm, I've have a lot of things going on. I'm hyper vigilant, hyper aware. I'm an empath. I have anxiety. I I've suffered with depression. There's there's so much going on that that have all come from things that I didn't know about until I spoke to someone about. And also, I didn't even know that I was having these things in my head until someone spoke about it. It didn't even have to be a therapist. It was just people talking about it online. Like I didn't start my mental health journey until I saw people talking about it online. That's when I started figuring out what was going on with me. So it ain't just having to go to a therapist. It's just no. doing the research, finding out that millions of people have the answer really of what you're trying to look for online. That could be a stranger, your friends. 100% your friends can be your therapist. 100% one of your family yep. members can be your therapist. 100% writing a diary every night has helped me. 100% writing songs has helped me. Like, I can't say go to a therapist and that will change your life because it might not. That's not the answer to some people. Well, it's never one thing, is it, either? It's no. never one thing. It has to be a whole 360 look at life and yeah. how you interact with life itself. It, mm. It's so profound and... It's so interesting, just backtracking a little bit, but so often, however this might manifest in a plethora of ways, usually it's down to one thought. So your one thought is that you're not liked. My one thought always is I've done something wrong. Hmm. So that has driven so many of my actions in life. I've done something wrong. I've done something wrong. I'm a bad person. I've done something wrong. Hmm. And I can't even articulate why some of the time or where what that fear is but it drives so many actions and has driven so many of the negative mindsets that I've been dealing with I've done something wrong I'm trying to always prove that I'm okay to other people I haven't done something wrong I, I'm a good person mm. or whatever and that's exhausting that yeah, is yeah, bloody so exhausting. exhausting and ridiculous and also then like you say plays into depression anxiety all these different things and you've talked um you know brilliantly and openly about anxiety in lots of different ways in song form and in the documentary again mm. how does your anxiety tend to manifest what does that look like on a daily basis all different all different kinds of levels it can be Sometimes it manifests into quite simply just being erratic and quite irrational thinking, snappy, irritated. That That's like the main part of it. The other part is worrying that people are going to do me over. That's another part of being, of being anxious. Another part of massive issue for me is like trust because I don't trust I haven't trusted people, definitely working on it, because that's quite um, draining as well. But, yes, yeah, I think it's like I, I, I have panic attacks too. It's a, it's a massive spectrum of being irritated, not wanting to talk to anyone. That's like the lowest part of it where I'm just sitting like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just don't feel like talking today. I don't want to see anyone. That you can go from that to having a full-on panic attack. That's like probably where I say to myself, 
mm, I've had anxiety. I've had a bit of anxiety today, and mm. and that's obviously where you don't want it to get to. So understanding all the other little layers of it helps stop getting to that panic attack. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, you know what's really interesting hearing you talk there as well? So when you're talking there about you've sort of pushed, you've suppressed some memories or you weren't mm. present in the moment, so those memories have gone... I've got a very similar thing to one period of my life where some of it was so uncomfortable that I blocked out for like years. But even stuff that was good that happened because I just didn't want to look back at anything. I found yep. looking at all, talking about the past so painful that I was like, I'm just going to be now or maybe into the future. But probably now is safer. And we all know the power of now is a good thing. But, but also... The thing that I learned, and this was from a professional, and I'm very lucky now that with the work I do, I get to talk to amazing people all the time who have so much knowledge. And I was having, well, I still get these panic attacks where the sensation that I get is that I'm I'm leaving my body. I'm literally sort of disassociating with my own life. I'm just floating out here. And I'm. it's a really physical, visceral experience. And... I was like, I don't want that anymore. I don't like it when it happens. I feel like I'm going to faint. I feel like I might be embarrassed because I could be out in, with my kids or whatever, or at work if I'm interviewing someone or whenever the moment arises. And this particular professional's thinking was, I am doing that because so much of my life has been disassociating from my life. So I need to very slowly and gently bring back in those memories, like not necessarily the painful ones, but some of the ones that I've lost that were all right and that were quite good. Yeah. And I just thought that was, I'd never made that connection before. I think I definitely need to do that as well because yeah. I I have exactly the same moments as you where I've, comp- it's like, I the only way I can describe it is it is like half of my brain is like going and dying somewhere, like just yeah. dead. Yeah. And the other half is telling me it's okay. I'm still in on the earth. I'm still here. Like that. Those are the probably the scariest moments I've had because it's like it feels like I'm I'm losing it all. That I'm never going to be able to get back. That's where yeah. I was at. And that, like, just you saying that then is probably from me doing the same as you in the past where I've just I I I'm sad as well because I do actually I don't remember the good times out of that. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. It is sad because you know, all of life should be celebrated, even the tough bits, because mm. you wouldn't be who you are now and I wouldn't be who I am if we hadn't been through certain things or experienced certain things and and probably a lot of that disassociation goes back to that one root thought again because I know that if I'm having that feeling or say um I had a panic attack coming on. I was on stage. I was doing a talk, and my little sick brain goes, "Oh, this would be a terrible time for you." To faint. <laughs> then I start feeling like I'm leaving my body. Oh no, it's going to happen. And then the the panic is ramped up because my root thought is, 
you've done something wrong. You know, you've done something wrong and everyone here is judging you mm. and you fainted and that's wrong and you shouldn't have done it and it's ridiculous and it's judgment and it's shame and it's scrutiny and blah, you know, it piles on top of each other. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's making peace with all of it and it's so much easier said than done. But I think it's really important and also really interesting to sit and unpick it because so many people out there who hopefully be listening to this will be experiencing these really physical manifestations of anxiety, but they might not know what's even causing it. I didn't for years. Mm-mm. I had no idea. I thought I was having a heart attack the first time I had. When I had my heart checked, I was like, <laughs> I'm literally having a heart attack. It's horrible. So, so one of your, and this again, you very courageously talk about in the documentary, and you've mentioned it here already, but one of that, that root thought comes from that time at school, mm. year nine of school, what was going on for you then? What brought on this feeling of I'm not liked? Well, everything was sweet. I was very happy, very popular within the year group and separate groups of kids. And I was with a guy and then I fancied one of his friends, went on the phone to him one night and he ended up telling someone and then he told someone and then it got back to my boyfriend at the time, and then that's it. My whole life changed from that moment. Everyone hated me for being on the phone with that guy. And it isn't until literally when I think about it now that I'm older that the guy was just, like, fine. He didn't even get... Like, he carried on having friends. He didn't get... Of course! (laughs) It really annoys me that he didn't get it either. But, yeah, that's it. it. It changed everything, and then I was hated everyone hated me and i that's it i couldn't couldn't go to school without being worried or scared or embarrassed or but because because i i was like oh it's something i've done i did that i made that phone call so they have got a reason to be horrible to me but it was like it was extreme it wasn't if they were just like going oh you you know bitch or whatever just saying random crap like that it was like i had killed someone and everyone was I felt like that anyway but because it was something that I had done that had caused that I couldn't then tell people like for example my mum and dad because I was like embarrassed that I'd done that in the first place if if it was like an outer source I could have said to my mum and dad oh look they're doing that and I this is because of that and it would have been so much more simple but because the people at school made me feel so horrific for what I'd done I was too embarrassed to tell people and I didn't tell my mum and dad until I made the documentary what had happened at school. That's And I've, I recorded the, the whole conversation and everything and it was quite a revelation really because they had no idea that I was going through that and obviously from going through that school I turned into a horrible teenager where I was being nasty to my parents and they just thought it was me being a dick but it was actually from what was going on at school and my dad actually said... I wish you had just said to us what was going on because we could have made home a safe place for you. But because you were being like that to us, we were being angry at you. And it was like I had nowhere to be safe. And that made them a bit sad. But if only I'd just said something at the time. But, yeah, that's that's really the moment that, that changed everything. And, obviously, I went mute. I didn't want to talk because I didn't want everyone, anyone to have a reason to hate me even more. And from that moment, from leaving school, going into college, I was in that place where I just 
wanted people to like who I was and that took control of my life. It's so awful that we carry shit around like this with us for so long like when we just don't need to. Yeah. Like again, we we all do it. Well, first of all, we're all fallible humans. We all make mistakes. That is a given. There are no exceptions there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute because yeah. I'm really passionate about that one. <laughs> but we carry that stuff around and we don't need to. And the thing that, again, really resonates with me is the where you went mute. Mm. And this will resonate with tons of people listening to this. I had this big reaction at the weekend where I was going through something and it triggered something from the past and I looked at this period of my life where I was being really mistreated now that I'm older and with hindsight can see it by a lot of people, not people that I knew, but people that should have known better. And I, my reaction was mute, mm. not going to say anything. And then you get into this like soldier mode. I've got to get through this. Whatever happens, I'm going to stay mute and I'm going to... Just get through it. And I think you do then start to shut down. You start to just, Mm. like, shut down who you are. You just become this person getting through something. And I actually had a really good cry at the weekend for that version of me who didn't cry or say anything. I was like, that was really hard. And it was all right. You know, like, it's such a shame. Like, for you, you didn't have that space to go, I'm really struggling. I've made a tiny mistake. I mean, God, you were a kid, for goodness sake. You spoke to someone on the phone. I mean, I've done far worse than that. (laughs) You spoke to someone on the phone, you're a kid, like to not have the space to say how you're feeling, like that is so hard and so many people carry that and Mm. carry the burden of that for so, so long. Yeah. And the bit that I feel really passionate about is I feel like the further down the line we get, and maybe partly this is due to social media, it probably entirely is actually, (laughs) um, the space that should be there to make mistakes has diminished so much that it barely exists. Oh, that's so true. We can't make even the tiniest mistake. So what are we aiming for here? Like, what we can't aim for perfection. It doesn't exist. To be perfect humans who who know everything. To be perfect humans <laughs> who know everything, and in brackets, who therefore never grow. Because you ain't growing yeah. if you're not making mistakes and like this is the bit that I just I want to tear my hair out like and it's cancel culture and it's everything but what is going on with that and I feel the pressure of that I know Mm. you feel the pressure of that I know so many teenagers are feeling the pressure of that because they've got social media in their lives there's no room to make mistakes like what are we going to bloody do about this it's mad well what we're doing about it is you're talking about it I'm talking about it we're talking about making mistakes and like make I'm gonna make more you're gonna make more we're all gonna make more and I'm going to learn yeah. more. Like, that's a really good thing. Yeah. Making mistakes is bloody brilliant. Bloody brilliant. I love it now. I love making mistakes now. Yeah. Because you learn. And that's it. That's the beauty of it. And yeah. I think, you know, looking back about what you said before about the past times, I, I did try and I've actually always w- looked back on my school days and thought to myself, oh, I wish... It was different. Like, I wish that I was just popular. I wish that everyone liked me. And I, and then I think to myself, I, there is no way that I'd be this person now without that experience. And it actually makes me then appreciate what I went through. And it's such a difference, obviously, because I've hated that experience for so long. And now I'm like, I'm fucking glad. I'm so glad that I went through that. Now I, I'm able to do all these things feel very deeply and 
yeah, that's that's a really big revelation. I think that I, that I found from that. I feel the same. I, I've often looked back and thought, God, I wish I, I wish I wasn't. Uh, I wish I hadn't been such sort of weirdo in my twenties and like worn really weird things and said weird things and made loads of weird mistakes. But I wouldn't be me. I, you know, I I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And I think we have to try and embrace all those other versions of ourselves. And it feels mm. painful to do so. We've got to embrace each stage of who we've been, because otherwise we just wouldn't be where we're at today. Even if being at where you're at today isn't brilliant in your head, it is because you've learned and you've grown and and, and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you've also put a lot of this I don't know how much because I know it's there's some sort of secrecy around it but you've put a lot of this experience and and what you've learned about your life so far into a book yeah (laughs) how exciting yeah I never ever ever thought I'd be writing a book (laughs) it is crazy do you know what um over this journey of my mental health I've read a lot of books and it's probably the first books I've read ever because I struggle I've struggled with reading my whole life and it takes me ages to take something in but I've I've started reading you know um what was the first one I read the subtle art of not giving a fuck that's the first Mm. book I read and then I read reasons to stay alive then I read midnight library then I started reading all these other books and I thought this has helped me so much reading this and then the opportunity came around and we were talking about the conversation of writing my own book and my experiences in a book and I thought yeah I'd love to do that because of how much books have helped me but still I can't really believe that because it's just (laughs) I never thought that was even possible for me to do so yeah it's been it's been amazing to be honest and it's called you deserve better you deserve better which is lovely and I'm interested to hear what that means to you because I know from what I've read about the book, you know, you say, like everybody today gets told all the basics, you know, try and sleep better, eat better, be nicer to yourself. And sometimes that's Mm. really hard. And also that might not be enough. That might not be enough to get you to a place of balance. So is this book the reaction Mm. to that sort of advice you've been given? Yeah, I talk about my my own personal experiences with advice like generic advice that isn't necessarily great and also concentrating less on I don't know how to explain it properly but sometimes I do think that when we think or see positive things it reminds us what we lack oh yeah and and lack is not great and another thing is just like actually facing bad feel like actually embracing bad feelings is is really important so it's not a book about like do this and this and you'll feel great and you're brilliant so don't worry about it it's it's actually it's a bit of everything I'm going in loads of different directions hopefully one section can help someone probably won't mean anything to someone else and then one section will mean something to someone else going to try and make it a little bit different, have moments in there where people could do some colouring in, just like random shit in in this book. And it's called You Deserve Better because I don't feel like we, us as people feel like we do. I feel like we've, we don't feel like that. We think we've been dealt this card and we're just going to, we've got to deal with it. But no, that's not the case. 
and I'm going to try and try and explain that to people. Yeah, because it's all about self-limiting beliefs, isn't it? You know, who's to say you couldn't write a book? You've just done it. Do you know what I mean? It's all yeah. <laughs> lifting self-limiting beliefs and then, oh, maybe I could do that. Like, you know, it's mm. just a belief that we believe so heavily that it then manifests into reality, but we can change that. I find that so interesting. How mm. are you going to go forward? Like, now we're sort of coming out of all this craziness and the pandemic. How are you going to go forward having done this self-inventory and had this sort of therapeutic exploration how you move forward knowing what you know but going back into the same situations Mm. you've been put in previously because like in that documentary I was really interested to see you know you're walking down the promenade in South End with your sister and your mate lots of people start to emerge and you you can tell the anxiety's coming on you don't want to be recognized you don't want to be talked to necessarily is that a fear that, that you'll take into to the new sort of version of how you work? You know, how will you deal with all the stuff that's a given because you're in the public eye? Well, all this work that I've been doing with myself has actually made me feel much more comfortable in myself. Understanding that not everyone's actually thinking horribly of you. You know, releasing that dread of going outside because people will look at you and think bad things releasing that thinking you know most of the people in the world are actually good people (laughs) and they're probably just saying wow look at her pink hair like that's quite instead of (laughs) they're probably worrying about their own weird shit going oh yeah everyone hates me like we're all doing it aren't we exactly so I think learning to love myself and be comfortable with myself has then made it much easier to go outside and be seen because I go to MS now and I'm just like, well, if someone sees me, I'll say hello and that's fine. Rather than I'm going to wear a hat and glasses and just hope that no one sees me out of fear of judgment that they'll hate me and I don't want them to do that. So all these things has helped so much in being able to take a, a much more needed confident self-confidence into the world again but also being able to set boundaries. And I think boundaries are so important for everyone to have because we don't work like everyone else. We, in just a simple, in a completely different context, but just like how the world's been made to be, just like on this 24 hour clock, waking up at this time, more early birds, like that's the way society has lived. So for example, night owls really struggle with how the world works. It's like we're not just meant to just cope. We actually can live our own lives and have our boundaries and be happy. And I think that's what I'm taking into the new world, whatever it is. Boundaries are so big. I've been historically awful at boundaries. Awful, awful, (laughs) awful. It's been like the pits because I felt I have to prove myself and do everything for everybody else and be as helpful as possible and again like looking at what you've just talked about there well what is normal for a star you know what is what is doesn't exist normal doesn't exist and and we place so much pressure on ourselves oh I don't think what I'm doing is normal here like sometimes you know our sleeping arrangements here are I want to go and sleep in the spare room so I get a really really decent night's sleep it's not deemed as normal to not sleep in a bed with my husband but hey I'm getting some (laughs) sleep and it works for me like set your boundaries for what works for you I had to do it with work you know there are certain things that I would have always done at work because it was normal and everybody else my peers do because it's that's what you do you put yourself out there or whatever it is 
And I know I can't cope with a lot of that stuff anymore. So I'm doing mm. all my nice little things over here, which I feel really comfortable in. And I guess it's scary to set those boundaries at first because not only is it different for you, but it's different for the people around you because they're the ones that might not be let in as much or they might be the ones that you really Mm -hmm. need at times or whatever how how has that played out with the people in your inner circle now you're setting stronger boundaries well I I honestly think the people that are closest to me understand that anyway that if I was to say this is what I need now they're they're good enough people and and nice enough people to understand that they'll just respect that. But in regards to other people understanding my boundaries, I don't really care yet. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter because I'm not living my life for them to make me feel accepted or acceptable in my actions or what I want to do. So my boundaries are for me and if other people accept it, then great and if they don't then sorry yeah good I love that I love that that's where I'm headed to definitely and where are you at with self-love today or self-acceptance whatever you want to call it well I feel I feel the more I concentrate on it the better I am and the better I feel I know self-care is wide like it's it's very vast but in the simple things of just like go and get a massage once a week and and that will make you feel better. Knowing that that will help me, I'll do. And and do a face mask or do a jigsaw puzzle instead of watch the news. Like, just little piece, bits and pieces that will help your day be a little bit better. That's, that's where I'm at at the moment. Mm. There's an interesting bit that just sprung to mind in your documentary where... I think it's right at the start and you say you look back at the rudimental days and you and you mm. seem you know to have really beautiful nostalgic memories of the happiness that you had at that time and the contentment and how simple it was. Mm. Obviously you still had the experience that you had at school at that point. Were you just able mm. to deal with it a bit better at that point for some reason? Yeah, I think a lot of it was down to not having the space in my head to even think because we were so busy not busy in a way that I was sad or struggling but busy in a sense that I just didn't have time to think about anything and distraction is good at some points but also not good in the long run so it was an incredibly freeing time where I didn't have to think about anything but obviously after that time was over it all come back into my head so yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's it's okay it was okay for that moment you know and it was enjoyable but it doesn't mean that the the things go away mm, that's the thing about distracting isn't it it's it can be a great coping mechanism if you need to really switch up your mindset mm. lose a sense of trauma yeah, maybe trauma's too strong to lose in that moment. But you know, just to move away from negative situations. But like you say, it's always going to be there mm-hmm. unless you do the work and are willing to to look at it. And I guess so much of that is around what we've talked about with self love and and, and self acceptance. When when we're talking about self love and self acceptance, how are you with accepting the bits that you don't like or didn't like about yourself, or bits of the past that you've already talked about? Have you 
is there a sense of peace around that now? Yeah, I think I think there's just it, it's a long journey. It is because it's taken me ages to get to a good place, but where I'm at now is if I look back at those times or if I do something now that's it seems like it's a bit stupid or a bit like not right I don't I don't hate myself for making that mistake or doing something not completely right or taking too long to do something I don't sit there and go oh you fucking idiot I I just I just look at it look at the situation learn from it and move forward rather than getting stuck in that place of self-hate and with regards to what I look like which has been a massive problem for me as well over the years just not being happy with my body and my face and yeah that that's slowly getting better I think that the more I understand that my body is not just a, an object for people to look at and think it looks nice and actually realize that it's letting me run down the road or you know, pick up heavy bags. If I see my body in that way, I then appreciate my body so much more than than it being a sexual thing because that's what I saw it as for a long time. So all of these bits and pieces, all these puzzle pieces that are being, like, connected in my head is helping me love myself for who I... just who I am instead of trying to be mm-hmm. someone else the whole time. So... Yeah, it's a long journey. I'm sh- I mean, sometimes I wake up and I think, oh, my bum looks so crap in these jeans. But other times I'm like, I want to take naked pictures today. So <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Yeah. I mean, but that's, this is no, this is not a linear journey. I, I think we mm. all need to remember that when we're having these lovely conversations that we're not going to just be on this ascent and then mm. at the age of 80, we're like, oh, I feel complete and peaceful and great now. It's such no. a weird wiggly line and we're all going to have those days where we feel like shit and other days where we're really coping and doing brilliantly and that's great, you know. That is just all part of the weirdness of life, isn't it? And it's funny with so many women that I've talked to on this podcast and outside of work, just like my own mates or family members, it's so complicated having a female body and it's so complicated having Mm. a female body in the modern world and how it fits into it all and how we're meant to feel about it and and sometimes we feel like we are just our body like this is it this is me and it's such a it's obviously a very important part of who we are but it's not the entirety of who we are and sometimes social media exacerbates that because that's all it is on social media unless you're doing a lovely chat or a piece to camera but when it's just the photos we are just a body in a grid and that just ramps it all up what's your relationship like with expressing yourself online now and also how you imbibe it how you're looking around at other people and what you take from that and how you might apply that to to who you are well I I generally just follow people that make me feel okay with my body and normalness um, yeah, I, I follow a lot of pages of girls just accepting cellulite, body rolls, you know, all of that that is actually normal, but we've been taught that it's not. So rejoining those things in my head and following people that make me feel okay is helping me a lot. Um, I, and I also feel like I've read a couple things in books lately, like how people nowadays see normal as failing like as bad and people don't really like to be described as normal but I find normal like a really 
good compliment. And but the the problem is is that to be famous or to be known or to be seen or it it seems that you have to be extreme and extremely this or extremely this and being normal is just like unheard you're unheard now and i think that we need to bring back being normal a bit you know and that's quite scary for kids these days feeling that they have to be the extreme of something to be heard that's that's a big thing about social media at the moment it's a really good point. It's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. It's the extremes, isn't it? Like, you've got to be yeah. exceptionally something. It's like, well, <laughs> you can just be, like, exceptionally average, and that's really fine. Yeah. Like, that's totally fine. If you're happy yeah. being exceptionally average, be average. It's great. Yeah. And also with um, what you're saying about life, just if you start this journey of loving yourself, whatever, and it's it's not just, like, a straight line upwards... I read in the book as well about, like, life is literally just having problems. Like, everyone has problems, whether it's you haven't watered your plants today or you've just had a car crash or, you know, it's all on a different level of problems. But you figure out that problem and then you've got another problem. So, actually, solving problems is is actually just solving a little bit more about happiness and figuring out what that is rather than thinking you're just going to you know figure that out and now everything's going to be sweet that's never going to be the case no no (laughs) no it's just not and looking at that the extremities of how perhaps you know famous people or whatever might express themselves or visually as seen you could be exceptionally famous exceptionally gorgeous to look at exceptionally talented but that equation doesn't still not equal happiness there are like no guarantees and that's the myth that we're all still somehow buying into that if we get to these extremes or are seen or heard more than others, we will feel mm. something. We might f- end up, like you did, feeling numb. Yeah. You could still end up feeling fuck all. And yeah. that's the weird myth that we're all still sort of working to. So we all have to just work to what feels right for us, which could be just, you know, your everyday whatever. But you're really happy doing your everyday, yeah. going for a walk or having a bath, whatever. It hasn't got to be these big extremes. I'm certainly at the place where I'm embracing all of that. I like the absolute average. (laughs) I love making my kids breakfast, taking them to school. Luckily, I've got a really nice job that I really like, but I'm doing it from home. Really average, really lovely, at home, doing my thing. And nothing's particularly extreme. I'm not going out anywhere. I'm not doing anything big or whatever. It's just... I feel really lucky that things are average. Do you know what I mean? I feel really lucky yes. at this point in my life that things are, at the moment, because no one knows about anything, average outside of the context of the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, we should celebrate that more. I really like that thought. Yeah. Really like do you know what, thought. though? I, I do feel like celebrities are definitely um, speaking more about not being okay, like with the documentaries and stuff that are coming out, the Katy Perry one, the Taylor Swift one, you know, all of these documentaries that people that you think are perfect and happy and have everything are actually speaking out. And that is helping people understand that, you know, don't let your aim be. Like when you're younger, if you're a kid, don't go, I want to be a famous singer because of that, because they're so no. happy, because they look perfect. It's not the case. 
it's not the case. We're the same. We have the same brains. Like we work the same as everyone else. Just do what makes you happy. That's all you can aim for. Do yeah. stuff that makes you feel happy. It's all we can do. It's all mm-hmm. we can do. Oh, I really, really love talking to you. That was you so too. fun, and I, and I'm really. Um, I'm really chuffed that you took that time during the pandemic to do all that discovering. I'm I'm doing exactly the same as you. I'm committed to doing this now and working out who the hell I am and what the hell is going on and what life is and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting and it's really beautiful that you're sharing it with everybody in music form, documentary, books and everything else that you've got coming out in the future. So keep doing it. Thank you, I will. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for reminding us that no one's really got it all together, have they? (laughs) None of us have. We might pretend, we might put a good face on, you know, look like we've got it all sorted on social media. None of us know what we're doing, let's be honest. Anne-Marie's new album, Therapy, is out on the 23rd of July and that brilliant book she was talking about will be available from the 30th of September. It's called You Deserve Better. Brilliant title. And she'll be doing a UK arena tour from next May as well. I love that live music is coming back. Please, more of it. It's about blimmin' time. Now, I will, of course, be back next week alongside another brilliant woman. So do make sure you're following Happy Place for free, wherever it is that you like to listen to your podcasts. Until then, thank you again to Anne-Marie. Thank you, lovely... Thanks to the producer, the brilliant Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio. And to you, wonderful lot. What would I do without you lot? Seriously, thank you. Thanks for coming back each week. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for spreading the word, for telling your mates and your family members to get on this one as well. If you think this episode could help someone, share it. Spread the word. Big love to you all. Speak soon. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.